Hello, listeners. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode number 13, season 5 of the podcast. And that's not a sound effect, by the way. I'm standing in my backyard as I'm recording this intro, and there's a crow that hangs out here. So, we have backyard chickens, my wife and I, and we feed the chickens, and sometimes the crows come down and like, the chickens eat table scraps, right? And, and sometimes the crows like that, too. So we invite them to come along, and the crows are cool, all right? They, they've got a bad reputation, kind of like myself, <laughs> different seasons of my life. But uh, I like the crows, so, yeah, we tend to feed the crows with the chickens. Anyhow, the podcast today, Season 5, Episode 13... Some uh, So there's this television show in my country. It's in other countries, too. Uh, my friend in Australia was talking about it. Very controversial show. It's season seven uh, opening scene, right? Episode one of the new season. You know, right before Halloween, they do this, this episode. And it was controversial. Hard to watch, even. Um, but... I thought of doing a podcast on it. I thought to myself, then why not do a podcast on it? Because it has some serious themes. I thought of some tie-ins that had to do with compulsive behavior, addictive behavior, and The Walking Dead. Yes, I did a show on zombies a while back, but this is different, all right? It also has to do with storytelling. Um... Storytelling in human culture, yes, that's a thing, all right? We love stories. We, we Before television was invented, before we were writing stuff down, people have been telling stories for years. And this time of year, we're reminded of, you know, the days are getting shorter, the leaves are falling, the green is going away, things are dying, and this story... The Walking Dead, I thought was appropriate for this year. Me and my friend John Gayton, who's been on the podcast before, love this cat, and uh, I thought uh, I would have coffee with him, and we would talk about this Walking Dead. We're both kind of fans of the show. Not we don't follow it like geek fans do, you know. It's it's a fun show. It, it, it's a, a fun show. I don't know. It's a thought provoking. Uh, emotion-provoking show. So, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we get into it. <laughs> Explain um, if you're not familiar with the show. It's funny, I've been criticized by other Christians over the years for, why do you, you know, delve into this kind of material rust, or well, Christians watching horror films or horror TV shows, is that healthy? Is that, should we be doing that? Listen, I think it is, because the horror genre is the one genre of film that gets people thinking about the very real supernatural. And there goes the chicken, the rooster. Um, That there are energies and entities even out there that go beyond the realm of simple explanation in this world. And we get to talk about that, too, in this episode. Also, ASI is a listener-supported podcast. You have your life energy, which is your money, right? To keep this thing alive, I think, is is awesome. And I wanted to thank listener John Cowboy, 
for donating to help make this podcast possible as well as keep the others afloat. All of the podcasts have a monthly bill and listeners giving your life energy to keep this thing going, man, is is thank you so much. And I'm just glad that this thing helps, maybe stirs thought-provoking ways of approaching this kind of issue. So, Again, thanks for you guys that donate. And if you'd like to donate, become a co-producer like John Cowboy, ASI247.org. Thanks, John, uh, for producing and a cowboy theme. <laughs> As The Walking Dead has some of that going on. Anyhow, here we go. Getting into it. So, here we go. Here's some of the theme music covered by a strings orchestra called the Vitamin Strings Quartet. It's a great cover. John Gayton on the podcast today as we are hanging out here at the Red Door Coffee Roaster and Cafe. This is like a micro roast. Like they roast the coffee right over Do there. they? Yeah. That's nice. There's a lot of places doing that now. You get fresh coffee that It's way. very good. It's like a Seattle thing. It we're, is. We're coffee snobs mm-hmm. and nerds. And... We have standards. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Today we're talking about the walking Dead. It's the Halloween episode. Oh, I like to do, okay. I've only done, I don't know how many Halloween episodes I've done. I do metaphors that bounce them off of stuff, like the vampire metaphor. So you want to do Recently, a Halloween episode? I'm the guy I'm, you call because I'm the one you think of. Like, <laughs> well, you and like, I were posting. Who's the weirdest, creepiest dude I know? <laughs> You're doing a Halloween party kind of thing at your house around the Donnie Darko movie, right? That's more of an this existential Friday? exercise. But that we are having a Donnie Darko movie night. You should existential do Existential Halloween. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I should have my own podcast. <laughs> the existential, oh, Halloween. existential Halloween. I like that. <laughs> so, but you and I were posting about the. So, okay, to catch listeners up, and this this show is heard around the world, and I know that some of you don't know what the heck we're talking about. Um, zombies. So I've done a few metaphors with zombies over the years. I did one with uh, that that film Zombieland. Oh yeah, it was a great film. Uh-huh. Um, but this season, so The Walking Dead is a television show here in the United States, and I saw my friend in Australia posting about it too. And it's been going for seven seasons. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of cult following. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a popular show. Yeah. And so this season, is season seven of the of The Walking Dead, had a, a, a the, their opening episode was gratuitously violent. It was pretty brutal. It was almost like, and I'm a, I'm a guy. I like horror films. I like. I'm not. I'm not immune to gore and stuff like sure. that. But this was like emotionally taxing. It was hard to watch. It was like I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. But then it's almost like WWHD. Like what would Hitchcock do? Mm. <laughs> Think about there, that. But there was there was just it was just so it was just so gratuitously violent. But it had it had me thinking. It had a lot of people talking about um, the villain characters in life and. And, and, you know, going into themes like existentialism a little bit, right? Negan. Negan, this character who is just, 
So to catch people up, is this are there going to be spoilers? You have to have a spoiler. Maybe warning? is there a spoiler alert? Yeah, if you haven't seen the episode, maybe turn this off now. If you are a fan of The Walking Dead, if you don't care about TV shows and zombies, and it's a zombie show. That's what it's about. So it's it's post-apocalyptic. The Walking Dead, is. right? So the zombies have taken over the world. The The Walking Dead are among us. What I like about The Walking Dead is the writing around. Here's what attracted me to it. It's very, it's very emotional writing, and it's, it's, it's like, it's like searching for hope in a hopeless world, mm-hmm. which is very thematic for today. Mm-hmm. I and mean, there's a lot of people that are in situations, and maybe as Americans or Westerners. Speaking about the folks in England or the, the UK that might be listening, I think they, they share some of this too. Is we st- we tend to put on our best face a- a- for our friends and our coworkers a lot of times, but behind the scenes we're sort of like fighting the zombies out there, right? Like we don't trust a lot of people. We we tend to keep to ourselves and our emotions and and uh, well, the interesting the interesting thing about. About the zombie genre is it typically will th- th- there's something sociological going on. There, with, there's a with reason it. that show was so popular, and right? and the zombies, you know, are kind of a metaphor for us that we're the Walking Dead. Right. It, well, historically, that's what the zombie. Like, oh, you don't like at work, or all those drones that. Well, yeah, like 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 you know, <laughs> if you take the classic uh, Dawn of the Dead movie, mm-hmm. where do where, where do the undead go? Well, the first place they go is to the shopping mall because you know they're just going to mindlessly walk around right. the mall. Yeah, making, that's interesting. They're making a statement there. Yeah. The interesting thing about the Walking Dead is there are elements of that, but one of the things that it's exploring is the scary, the scary things in that show aren't the zombies; they're the people. <laughs> they're yeah, the people that they're are living. The walking, they're the living. They're the not living the, evil. The, those are the people. worse than the Walking. You got to be afraid of the Walking Dead. You really got to be afraid of the people that, yeah. are, that aren't infected. So yeah. that's that's an interesting theme. So there's survival elements. I, I get what you're saying with the hope element. I think part of it's that kind of, well, gosh, what would we do? Yeah, our what tribe. We, what would our tribe? What's our do? tribe look like? How yeah. how would we survive? Um, you know, and I think that people can get into catastrophic thinking, uh, economic collapse. What would happen? World War Three? Ah, you yeah. know, what if we had to reset? And would I have what it takes to to make it? And I think they're exploring some of that stuff, and that's interesting to people too. And it goes into something that I've heard people say that about my podcast <laughs> is that it, the horror genre and the and the recovery world, or podcasts like this, or 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 people that get into delve into helping addicts right is is that there seems to be some negativity in it and that's mm-hmm. where a lot of people that need recovery Seth and I talked about this with with like a lot of the people that we want to reach are like the fundamentalists yeah. who are really stuck and they're really in their they're in behaviors that are so toxic and they're just going to eventually the the, the the things the cat's gonna be out of the bag, right. right? Like it's just a matter of time. Like your your addiction is so bad that it's just getting worse, and it's either gonna get better, and that's gonna take a change in thinking. It's gonna take a paradigm shift. It's gonna take a shift, um, a, a deconstruct, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's scary. And some people see it as negative. So that's another thing I like about the horror genre and a metaphor that we can make with The Walking Dead and even that opening episode is that it's it's uncomfortable. Right. That's, that's the, the we were talking about cognitive dissonance. The definition of cognitive dissonance is that uncomfortable feeling 
between two thoughts. That thing in the back of your mind that yeah, you don't want to... That you can't solve, that you don't really know the answer Maybe to. you don't want to because it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there, and I've heard people say that about, well, why do you have to be so negative? Why do you have to play the music you play? Or why do you have to talk about <laughs> horror films on Halloween? Or, or right, what something want? like this. I mean, you know. Exactly. These are great metaphors. And like art... Um, depicts a lot of things that we feel art. You don't necessarily think about art that much. You feel it. I heard a good quote. You mentioned fundamentalism. Fundamentalism is a refusal to acknowledge the complexities of life. Oh, interesting. Fundamentalism is a refusal to acknowledge the complexities of life. Right. If that was a concise definition, that nails it yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And, it, and fundamentalism... Or, or that definition of it is the enemy of recovery. Do you have fundamentalists listen to your podcast? You think? Yes, absolutely. Because they're white knuckling it. I think so. Trying or, to, or trying some to hold of them, on to something. Some trying to make it work. Grip my teeth. Not just oh. that, but some of them, John, is, and I know there's some in the sound of my voice now, who are know that if they do this difficult work, they may lose their job. Because their, their life, profession. their livelihood depends on on their faith, not being construct. a porn addict. Okay, not not having slept with the secretary in that thing, or or you know, I mean, even just the pornography. It is rampant, and and there's some churches still today where the pastor gets porn in his computer and they fire that guy. Yeah, and it's it's sad and it's wrong, and, and there's a there's a an opportunity for healing there that doesn't happen because of that attitude of fundamentalism. I think that's an attitude. It's a black and white. We've got to see things for the black and white. We can't look at the gray. It's seen as a disqualifying yeah. sin in light of yeah. like First Timothy well, you're 3. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're a leader. And if people hold a fundamentalist attitude towards First Timothy 3, there is no one who's qualified. <laughs> if you hold a black and white fundamentalist kind of attitude towards that. Sure. Right? That's sad. Yeah, I I don't know what to do with that. Or no. I, I mean, having your livelihood attached to your behavior. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it is for. I mean, like I'm for for my profession. I'm held to a code of ethics. I need right. to adhere to a code of ethics. Me too. If I violated a code of ethics, <laughs> right. I, I, I could lose my license, lose my credential. But that's something a bit different, though. I mean, that's right. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, what would you do? Because because that construct almost invites people to lie. I mean, it does invite people to lie. Right. If this got out, yeah, then we have to live more human. I think that has to do, comes down to again theology, right? Yeah. Um, like they're being honest. You're thinking there should be for those those people like some sort of restoration process. And, yeah, or just be honest about the fact that you look at porn. You know, I mean, if you if you struggle with that, I, I laugh because it's it's asinine that so many people aren't dealing with this today. It's 2016. You know, it's on our phones. It's on yeah. our tablets. Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. And and just turn a blind eye to it today is silly. Um, mm. But that's something like what Seth was talking about with the work that he's doing and Triple X Church is doing with my pilgrimage. There's a lot of churches today who are just crying uncle. 
Oh, sure. Like all the stuff we're doing, all this fundamentalist stuff, all these, you know, six-step sermons to... Doesn't if work. If the, guy, if the pastor at your church is doing a lot of sermons on porn, chances are he's struggling with porn. Sure. Maybe walk up to him and say, hey, are you struggling with porn? Sure. Like, why don't you do maybe a, I don't know, a, Thursday meeting for people or something like let's let's bring this out into the light let's bop the lid off this it's, it's revelatory to what he's interacting with either yeah. in his his own self or people that he's counseling or meeting with but yeah that's telling if that's something that's frequently being discussed that's right so getting back to yeah, the, man. to the walk yeah how we dead how do we we got talking off about <laughs> zombies and porn what am i well, doing here no okay <laughs> <laughs> Zombies and porn, but that's part of the thing, right? Like you, you talked about the. I, oh, I didn't think of that. Which movie was that? I remember that with the shopping mall. Like they're just kind of. Oh, Dawn once of the Dead, classic. Yeah, the Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, so you go back to the, the fundamental, to use that word, sort of conscious level. There's different levels of consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And if you just go to our basic motor skills, you go to get up, go to work, go to the mall, whatever it is. People are going to go through their routines, and they're kind of seeing The Walking Dead as doing these things. Here's something that was brought up on another podcast, the uh, Zach uh, there in Seattle with the, the Losing Our Religion Oh, podcast. yeah, I like that podcast. He talked about a, a, a situation with a military guy that he knew that I thought this was a great example of this. A military guy that he knew that he said he joined the military because he just didn't want to think about where yeah, his I life direction that. was. Something, someone to tell you what I, to I do. I want someone to tell me what to do. And there's there's a certain level of brokenness in that, right? Like there's there's people that need to heal from stuff that just aren't healing. And I think that ugh, the military, I love the military, all right? You guys that are listening, there's great folks in the military. But you have to admit that there are people in your ranks who would fall into that class of just tell me what to do. Well, I don't want to have to figure out my life. That's too difficult for me. Just tell me, give me a direction, give me a path. I, I think, though, that there's a certain level of consciousness to that that is toxic, right? Or there not can, willing to. There can be for sure, but I think, like, like for example, if the Bible uses the metaphor that people are sheep, it does that for a mm. reason. You know, people, right. by and large, want a guru. They want yeah. some authority figure, someone to tell them what to do, how to think, tell me what truth is. You know, so I can just color within these lines, and it's it's a lot of painful work to think outside that. You know, yeah. uh, but I could see the military for a young person being that being inviting for that reason you know right. okay tell me what time to wake up what to wear <laughs> and some of the, i've yeah. had military folks i've got emails from folks who listen to this podcast while they're you know flying across the oh wow you know in a, in a plane across the middle east or something or on a boat it's hours of boring and 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 i get that and there's there's i think the people that excel in the military as leaders break out of that because you're not going to follow a guy who's a, a zombie Right. right. No, you have to. Zombies. You have to have a brain. Zombies don't make good <laughs> leaders. You have to have a different level of consciousness that sure. says we're going to lead and we're going to go this way. Still a chain of command for this reason. Still a chain of command, right? but but yeah, yeah, you'd be more strategic. Yeah. yeah, agreed. And I think that the the military is just a good example of that. But we see that in the corporate world. We see that all over the place. Yeah, where people. There's always a chain of command there's and very levels of consciousness. And right. <laughs> and it's almost like there's sober people out there that would look sober to the rest. So I'm a, I'm a you know, Leo and I, our friend Leo shared this, you know, being a redundant addict. So I went from, you know, alcohol, drugs, 
I mean, just about killed myself with those things. So I'm, I'm familiar with the 12-step program and, and folks that go into that world of, of recovery. And, I'm, and I know how, how that does work for people and how it doesn't work mm-hmm. also. Because I think that in the 12-step system, there can be a level of consciousness that is very, let's follow the, the leader. And if there's a bully, drill sergeant type military person who is a Negan, <laughs> to, use, right. to use the Walking Dead metaphor, I've seen those kind of cats in recovery groups. Those guys don't last long, but what it does is it, it does bring results for the short term. Oh, sure. Yeah. You yell at someone enough and you make them feel like shit about themselves, Break that person <laughs> might change for a little while. But shame is toxic. Right. You know? Well, and, and I think the question, too, is does it work? And is it working? And like yeah. you said, it might work for a time. Right. And for you mentioned, you know, we're talking about fundamentalist listening, and, and it's not working. It's not working. Well, that's, you have to ask yourself some huge questions. Like, and that comes into the cognitive dissonance is why isn't this working? I say I believe. I say I believe. Right. Well, maybe you really don't believe it. You're trying yeah. to convince yourself that you do. But... But your body, your actions, your anxieties reveal something different. Exactly. Yeah. That's a big thing about about Christians in this realm where, you know, if your your theology, your thoughts, uh, as another thing my friend Seth would say a lot, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this to bring this into conversation, is that's a thought. Tell me how it feels. Because mm. your body has something else going on. So Christians have a lot of answers up here. But their body's doing something else. It's 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 felt, yeah. Yeah. Porn yeah. addiction or compulsive pornography habits are a evidence of that. That your mind is thinking something and churning something out that your body isn't in isn't <laughs> it's, it's, There's something it's not amiss. meshing with your body. There's right? something amiss. And it's just like just what you said just now. Maybe you don't actually believe it. Now that may sound dark and it may sound Horror filmy, but, but you got to get to you it. You got to get. You got to get to it. You got to get. It's like, it's like Psalm twenty three. Mm. The Lord leads me and, and to the besides the waters, the waters, and and there's gratitude and there's that stuff. But then He takes me through the valley, valley. of the shadow of death, where you're not alone. Right. You're not alone. Right. And I think that when you start walking into that place, when you start saying to your tribe of maybe fundamentalists that, yeah, I don't think I believe that anymore, <laughs> you're, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. It's well, going to, when you start asking questions that stir up things in the other guy, right, that, that seem... So if you're, you know, a guy struggling with porn, for example, starts to say, well, how come... Um, all the shame feelings that are being poured out on me aren't working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? And, yeah, wow. What do you make of that? Yeah. Because it's almost like like you have to feel bad in order for it to work, in order for any kind of healing or recovery to work. Right. The irony is it's probably compounded. You know, yeah. we were talking about that before. We've talked about that before. It's like... Uh, the worse you feel, almost the worse it gets, because yeah. then you need more medication to medicate the fact that you feel bad, and it, it compounds on itself. Yeah. <laughs> Our bodies want to feel something. Yeah, I mean that's some that's true. That's from science. It's also scripture. Like we, we 
you know, the, the lukewarm. Mm. <laughs> it's the lukewarm. And there's something to that. Like our bodies do want, and it doesn't always have to be positive. You know? Right. If we feel something, feeling something is better than feeling nothing. I've heard a lot of addicts say that. Like, oh, the, the song, right? Uh, Johnny Cash covered by Trent Reznor, Hurt. Oh, yeah. The needle tears a hole, mm. you know? At least I feel something. Because mm-hmm. feeling something is better than feeling nothing at all. The numbness. Yeah. And there's there's light on the other end of, of, of following that truth, of walking through that valley of the shadow of death. It's not always going to be gray. It's not always going to be dark. It's not always going to be raining. There is light on the other side of it. Right. But we have to walk into that that scary place. Now, there was a guy who did a blog post that I'd like to bring up, and he's an atheist guy. And he drew a, <laughs> a certain metaphor from that opening scene in in, uh, in the season, season seven, episode one. So, the gang of uh, marauders, right? These This, this crew, uh, the Walking Dead stars. And and The Walking Dead seems to, over the years, it, ha- it builds up characters and then it kills them all. Yeah. Right? And it's done that over the years. So it's, this is, a again, post-apocalyptic. Zombies are everywhere. They're eating people. They're killing people. These people are just trying to survive. They took over a prison to try and make a little community. They took over a housing development, yeah. built a fence around it. Yeah. They've been trying to build a home in this post-apocalyptic world. A community. They a safe place. M- meet people from other tribes and some of them intermingle some of them scatter yeah, yeah. yeah. and some of them are killed off on the show yes and it's dramatic yes because you get to know these characters right right and so in in this show so last season um They've set up one of these communities, and then they start doing trade with other communities. Right. And they hear about this other community that wants to do trade, but they're sort of crooked, right. and we don't really know why. But Rick decides. Rick, who's the main character, he's sort of the leader of the Walking Dead people. Right. He's like an ex-cop. Right. And, and and so he lost his wife. You know, it was tragic. Anyway, so he uh, he decides. No, we're not going to negotiate with these people. We're just going to go in and kill them. Mm-hmm. So that was. The last season. Right. So this season, at the end of it, the cliffhanger was they get caught, and they're in front of their their enemies, right? And this guy is gleeful about torture. Sadist. Yeah. Sadist, yeah. I mean, he, he just, you know, and he kills one of them. And then he kills another one. right? Just in front of him. It's gruesome, and it's, and it's gory. And then he takes Rick's son. And he brings Rick's son down, and he lays him in the dirt, and he draws, he pulls out like a marker pen, and he draws a little line on his son's hand, and he has this hatchet. And this hatchet is a big, a big element in this, you know, the, who, the, whoever the writer was is drawing a bunch of attention to this hatchet during this episode. Right. So they, they he, he has this hatchet. He draws this line on. He's like, please don't take my son's arm. And Negan, the, the Negan character, the villain character, goes, oh, I'm not going to take your son's arm. You're going to do it. Yeah. And he hands it to the dad, to Gives Rick. Gives him the hatchet. Gives him the hatchet. Says, you're going to cut your son's arm off, or I'm going to kill all of your friends right here, one by one, right in front of you. And and behind the friends, the, all these guys have guns to their heads. Yeah. So. Your son's arm. Or yeah, your, your son's arm. Or, or your or, and, people you love. Yeah. And there was also this kind of, like, Rick had this sort of, I'm going to kill you sort of attitude towards Negan in the beginning. And in the end... Right as Rick is holding up the hatchet, ready to cut his son's arm off, 
Negan goes, wait. And he takes the hatchet away from Rick. And Rick just breaks down. Yeah. He's broke. Just breaks down. Yeah. Yeah. Totally broke. And he looks at him and he goes, Negan goes, that's what I was looking for. That's the look of submission. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Yeah. And it was dark. And there was an atheist guy that tied that metaphor to, I didn't know some of your Christian guys were thinking what I'm thinking right now, but the, the, the Isaac, right? Yeah. It, the story of Isaac. Well, I, I thought it, I, 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 the piece was a bit, um, <laughs> it was a bit punchy. I found it entertaining. Right. I, I didn't want to really share it with a lot of Christian <laughs> friends because, because you know, it, it's unnecessarily, it's unnecessarily like inflamed. But but if you approach it from a certain mindset and see right. kind and of the ironies, it's kind of humorous. But when, as I was watching it, in dark humor is my coping mechanism for for me. So it's like when I saw. The, the Walking Dead episode, I thought, oh, Negan's acting like a, like a narcissistic megachurch pastor, and this is one of his staff meetings, you know, just like coughing people that piss him off and right. bludgeoning them, you know, gruesomely yeah. in front of other weeping people yeah. that don't want to be that guy that's yeah. having his head bludgeoned. You're, you're fired. You're fired. <laughs> right. There's a Mars Hill thing. <laughs> we went through I, some I of this. I didn't name names. I didn't name names. I didn't name yeah. names. But, from what we, but, what we yeah. The shoe fits, uh, but yeah, there's there's absolutely that parallel to the um, to the Abraham and Isaac story. There absolutely, but I, was. God wasn't going to kill everybody. I mean, this was a different paradigm in, no. in that sense. But I think people can twist that story into a submission, a dark submission story. Like you better submit to God, or else He's going to kill well, your he, all the bad stuff. Here's here's something that I thought, John. Part of my my pre-deconstruct worldview was that a lot of the bad stuff that's happening in my life is because I can't get right. Oh, because you're you disobedient. Because I'm disobedient. something. Right. God. So this is my punishment. Okay. Punishment rewards. Does that, that make sense? And some of that can be biblical. I mean, if you read the Bible yeah. from a certain and some lens. of it's just common sense. Like, if you keep doing heroin... Eventually, you could end up on the street in a tent, right? Exactly. There's consequences. Um, there's consequences naturally. naturally for what you, if I kept cheating on my wife and not seeking recovery from that, I would be divorced, right? I mean, there's that would be painful, all of that. Jesus said, you know, after an event, you know, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. I mean, there's, there's warning for it. Yeah. But some of that is the natural outflow, those natural right. consequences, you know. But to see God as needed. <laughs> Well, but, 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 but in fairness, there's people, though, that, there's people that feel that way. I in, get that. In fairness, though, and, and again, I, I am not a Marcionite at all. Like, I'm not, but... Well, explain that word, unpack that word. Uh, Marcion was, was a heretic that basically taught that we should do away with the entire Old Testament, oh, that yeah. the Old Testament's irrelevant. The problem is Jesus didn't distance himself from the Old Testament, God. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if, but if we see... Jesus is the image, is the icon of God. I think we need to look back and understand Scripture through Him, through perfect love, through self-emptying love. And I think the way to do that is to say that maybe during t- there were times where God allowed for His story to be told through His children and for them to attribute things to Him right. that weren't necessarily things that He did or told them to do. 
And I think that if you look at the Bible from that perspective, you come out with a God who is very two-faced, very, right. uh, you know, well, sometimes he's anger, sometimes he's love, sometimes he's justice, sometimes he's mercy, sometimes yeah. he's wrath, sometimes he's... And then we end up solving that dissonance based on our own tribe or our own... Well, we end up solving... I, I think we end up solving it by saying God's holy and I'm a piece of shit and thank God Jesus was his, you know, sacrifice for me. Yeah. Or maybe the way to think of it is the way I think early Christians thought of it is God is love God accepts us God forgives us and Jesus is lives a life becomes incarnate dies and is resurrected so we can participate in that story yeah. in that resurrection with him but not because of God needed that to, in order to love us God already loved us All right. so you know, it, I, I probably talked about it, you know, a time or two when you had me on your podcast before, but I can't emphasize that enough because, because if you're watching it, I think I think if you if you look at God that way, then you, I do think there's fair parallels. An atheist critic could watch The Walking Dead and look at a Christian paradigm of that understanding of the Bible and say, well, you know, how's Negan any different than your God? Yeah, because. Basically, what you're saying is genocide's bad. Uh, flooding the earth is and killing everybody, women and children is bad. Unless God says to do it, then it's okay. Right. So killing a person. We teach it in school. <laughs> Little kids like, here, let's let's paint the ark, and you know, it's like, uh, let's talk about the day that God killed everyone, right? You, like, there's a horror. You, you got <laughs> there's a post-apocalyptic story to unpack right there, right? And you got some interesting, bizarre stuff too. You know, I mean, you have like bears attacking God's prophet. You know, because because yeah. uh, no, no, I'm sorry, bears attacking Elijah. children. Yeah. With the punky teenagers. They're making fun of the bald guy. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, <laughs> God send the bears to kill the kids. Right. It's, well, hey, you know what? That's okay, though, because God said, and if God wants to send bears to kill kids for making fun of a bald guy, right. who are you to say? And, well... Part of me is like, what I, what I get from that story is that that's why God doesn't give us that kind of power, right? Like, yes, we could move mountains, but, I mean, there's certain things that we probably shouldn't have that kind of power. Like if I had, if I had the power to just draw down fire from the sky, I mean, traffic in Seattle would be a mess. I don't have the self-control to handle something like Elijah all, was given that kind of. All I'm saying is, is I think it's healthy to rethink some of that stuff and to ask the question, you know, why would somebody, someone who's outside your faith paradigm, look at your God and come away with that conclusion. Yeah. And if God, if, if, if your God is a bigger asshole than you are, if your God's a worse father than you are, I don't know. There's probably something wrong with that. Now, yeah. you might you might say, well, I'm not holy. I'm not perfect like God is. Yeah, but I don't know. When are you going to stop making excuses and just right. understand that maybe you've been interpreting it wrong, understanding it wrong. Maybe your pastor, your denomination, whatever it is, has understood it wrong. Maybe you've inherited something toxic yeah. over the years that it's been marred or, or broken or distorted. It's, it's a construct that was built not by God, not by even the Bible, but by other people's interpretation of that. Well, and it is in the Bible. Those things are in the Bible. Right. But the way we interpret time. it can be very tribal. God says That's why there's this. Baptists and Presbyterians and 
you know, assemblies of God. That's why no one can agree on this stuff. Well, yeah, because someone would say, you know, well, a clear reading of Scripture says, well, the problem is there's always interpretation. There's always a yeah. lens in which you're looking at it. There's yeah. no just the Bible says. It's, it's always, like cognitive dissonance. A lot, I'm talking about a cognitive that. dissonance that some people can have with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like God gets a pass. Because he's God. Like, well, right. no, well, let's think about that a little bit. And maybe you're thinking about it wrong. And it's just a question I've had is, is you know, if you come away from it, that's clearly the Abraham story, the Isaac story in that, you know, the walking dead with Rick and his son. And it's like, you know, it's funny, like talk to one of my, my, my good friends who is an agnostic who used to be a, a, you know, fundamentalist conservative Christian. He's like, you know, the Abraham story. I always had cognitive dissonance about. I always pushed it in the back of my mind. That's some. That's really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like well, do you? I mean, do you ever think about that? Oh yeah. I mean, just how jacked up that is. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't kill my kid. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't think I could physically. Yeah. I don't know. As long as it's God telling me to do it's it. It's a weird set of shoes to put yourself in. Right? Exactly. It's yeah. like, and should that disturb you? And what if there's this idea where God enters the world? into the ancient through the ancient Near East through these tribal people and he tells his story through their tribal lenses to to break them of it to rid them of it slowly over time not through the the Bible college guys either right (laughs) right like God didn't go to the seminary the synagogue and go let's get the smartest cats and we'll make this guy have a baby and then his son will be the the Christ right right? no No, it it was a dude with sheep yeah, it, it was. It was. It was. It was rural, unexpected. Yes, unexpected, unprecedented. And Jesus Himself didn't go to the Bible college and recruit people, right? Well, and then how, how much of Jesus was not, in, in, you know, doing away with it, but fulfilling it, but then mm-hmm. also saying, you know, you've heard it said, but I say. Right. You've heard it said, but I say. Giving holy meaning and whole context that He was. The revelation of God culminated in human form, but up until that point, through baby talk, through God telling his story, through his children, through them making their way to him, through the fog, through the shadows, um, that's the Bible we have. It's a human Bible that's divinely inspired, but it's not all equally revelatory. I mean, you can't think that. I, I mean... I mean, just an evidence is, you know, I mean, ask someone who has that shift, I mean, do you... Th- I guarantee you they have passages of, say, the Gospel of John or certain epistles memorized way more than they have, like, I don't know, the book of Jonah memorized or something. Right. Right. So, it's the idea of a canon within a canon. Some things are more revelatory than other things. This is the the Jewish people that like Jesus, right? And then there's people that just say, well, it's just a different narrative of the same story. Mm. You know, which is interesting. Um, but but that cognitive dissonance there is is real, you know, yeah. where like, so so I, so I found it humorous, and I wasn't interacting with a lot of people about it, but, but you did have your fair share of maybe you know, Christians who will watch The Walking Dead, you know, because they're open to art and culture and right. pop culture. And There's one it. guy, a pastor, a friend of mine, uh, who's, who was talking about, he, he's with a lot of these same Old Testament conclusions of, oh, really? of, of things, yeah. And uh, just, I'll just say his name, Justin Schaefer. 
and I responded to something that he said. He was an ex Marso. Oh, okay. Runner. I remember and, uh, <clears throat> So, and then Jeff Becker oh, was, uh-huh. was, was talking about it too. Jeff Becker and I were kind of, Jeff Becker's a, a former guest. He's been on this, this podcast before. Um, punk rock guy was in punk rock band back in the, the 90s and was mm-hmm. a pastor Marzell as well. Um, but great story, uh, Jeff. Uh, and a guy I appreciate and, and respect. Um, he he was gonna come up with the same conclusion I did. Like like that was hard to watch. Like yeah. I don't know if I could yeah, watch yeah. that again for entertainment purposes. And part of it's my story, like some of my own trauma. And you and I've talked about this. Like, I, and I've talked about this in the show before. But I've I was involved for a few years as a as a drug dealer and trafficker. And these cats would use similar tactics. Oh, jeez. Because in that world, if someone rips you off, you don't... They enforce their own laws. Right. Right. You don't call the police or somebody jacks your shit. Right. But you put your thing down and you want to intimidate and do things that people are scared. Right? Right. I mean, I heard stories that were... There was a pig farm somewhere in Granite Falls. Oh, jeez. That was the, the, the threat. Like, no one will find your body. Oh, You'll just wow. and, and I knew guys that went missing. I don't know what happened to them. Nobody knew what happened to them. We figured they either... Yeah. Or <laughs> they just disappeared and left somewhere. I know a guy... Here's a sick story. This is a guy who... Uh, he got a, He was a drug dealer. He was a, sold pot back before pot was legal. And he um, got a front on, like, a pound of weed. Mm. So he owed this guy like three grand on this pound of mm-hmm. weed. Well, he left it in his car overnight, and someone broke into his car and stole it. And he owed his dealer three grand. The dealer's like, "All right, I want my three grand." And, <laughs> yeah, you know, I and, want my and, three grand. And it took a month before two dudes broke into his house and tied him to a chair, and they both took turns raping his girlfriend in front of him. Dear God! And that's what these cats did. So when I saw that, like some of that kind of. That, that that world was like, eh, I don't know if I can watch this anymore. Like that's just, and but and that dude, so that dude just up and took off. Like he just ran. Yeah. Him and his girlfriend disappeared. They lived in Ballard, and they just they were gone. Um, I don't know what happened to that. It's almost but. like the horror of it isn't like, you know, like okay, a, a horror cable show where someone's being bludgeoned and you know that's hard enough in and of itself the difficulty of it is is forcing their loved ones to watch yeah. and that and, and then we're being as the viewers immersed in that trauma yeah. and it's like that's compounded. the difference between like I can see killing zombies sure like oh yeah all day long people are just <laughs> killing zombies but when it's the the living killing the living, like that's weird. And the loved ones are watching it, being traumatized yeah. by it, and you're being immersed in it. Yeah, that it was hard to watch. It and, was hard to watch. And that's the thing. And it stirred up in me, like even I have PTSD. That's sure. I didn't I didn't know before I started going to therapy. My therapist, I thought I was like bipolar or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my therapist was like, No, you you have post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. due to childhood trauma. And that can and trigger so from all kinds of things. Yeah. You know? So, I'm, and that's just me. So, when I say this, I'm not judging like Christians shouldn't watch dark stuff because but there I was love a strong reaction stuff. to it. There, there was, was a just strong. Like, it's I'm done. Over. I'm done. I'm yeah, done. Yeah. I see. I. But I part see. of me is still. My wife's like. My wife and I had this conversation, but then this morning she's kind of like, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm still curious. Don't you want to see what happens? Don't, don't, I, want, I want to see what happens to yeah. Negan and Rick, you know? Like, exactly. Like, is Rick you want to see You want to see justice. revenge and justice, yeah. But then again, we were talking about, again, here's another thing from social psychology that, that John and I were talking about on, on Facebook a little bit. <laughs> um, the... The, the fact of what's called attribution error. Yeah. So this is something in, in social psychology that I learned that I, I found fascinating. So attri fundamental attribution error is the, the, the fact that we as human beings, when we look at the world, we tend to give ourselves a way bigger break than we give the other guy, right? <laughs> well, hey, I understand me. And exactly. I <laughs> if I do, here's the, 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 the professor who explained this was brilliant. Uh, Rob Willer, he's a, he teaches at Stanford now. And he was talking about, we're friends on Facebook, and I love this guy. He said, uh, he said, here's a good example of attribution error. He says, when I do poorly on a test, it's because I had bad pizza the night before. I stayed <laughs> up too late. variables, right? Yeah, there was a, you know, there was some, a friend came over and had a really hard time, and I was talking with my friend, and so I did poorly on the test. Right. But if you do poorly on the <laughs> test, you're an idiot. Right, right. <laughs> How like, could that's you, what's example. wrong with you? Right. So if we look at Negan, now everybody, now Negan is set up as this villain character, but we don't know Negan's backstory. Well, we know from the comics, from the graphic okay, novels, right. the graphic he's, novels. he's a bad Dude. He's the bad guy. He's a really bad dude. Right. We, we know that. But in the TV show, if, we followed Rick and his crew for seven seasons. Like, right. We know their story. We know them intimately. Could Rick look like Negan to, from to, another... Yeah. Exactly. From, from another, another perspective, right. could Rick be Negan? Right. Right? That's, that's a something question. to think about. That's a great question. So, and, that kind of, and that's where the writing gets fuzzy for me, and then I'm like, yeah, I could probably stop watching it now. <laughs> Just because maybe that's... Is that poor writing? I don't know. Well, in, in, in the way I was also interacting with it after we had kind of talked about it is you know we have that like like what your wife said i i relate to that you know because oh what's going to happen now we yeah. have this kind of gosh i hope rick gets revenge and i think that there's that's a very human thing in us yeah, but when you talk about that's solving the dissonance every villain like there's even youtube channels where you know, the top five villains dying horribly celebration, right? Like we, we love to see the villain we do. die. Big blockbuster films but. solve the dissonance well. That's why they do well in the theaters. Independent films don't do as well because they don't solve that dissonance in a way that is... It's more like real life independent. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. and and when you talk about when you talk about um, different levels of consciousness, yeah. Revenge is a lower level of consciousness because then what happens is we want to see that happen, but then in some ways Rick, if if that's enacted, becomes becomes that thing. He becomes Negan in yeah. in the desire to to avenge him, yeah. and that's something we need to be careful of as as people who are hurt, who have hurt yeah. inflicted upon us. Yeah. Is I mean, look, look, look I want to see the other guy bleed. Well, look at look at the way like abuse perpetuates itself. I mean, what's like yeah. the number one predictor if someone hurts children or is a pedophile? Well, that was probably enacted on that person, yeah. and so on and so forth. And it's breaking that cycle. It doesn't make for good TV, but right. but but it's breaking that cycle yeah. of abuse, or in this case, the need for revenge. Yeah. But we want to see it. There's something human in us that wants that wrong to be righted. And that's not always bad, I, I guess. Um, justice yeah. versus revenge, that's an interesting conversation. I've had conversations but, with soldiers, again, talking about the military, with people who are in Iraq, in Afghanistan, 
and they they go back because they want to see some justice done. Oh wow! Like they've seen a family die. I heard a, a story of an Iraqi soldier who, again, just horrible Negan-like. Like that shit happens in real life. I don't know if I need to see it for entertainment. Read some stuff like about the guys. Uday the guys' Hussein. whole family is is decapitated in front of him. And the soldiers that go back, just I want to see some of it's revenge-driven, maybe I don't know. But well, that's where you get to forgiveness and reconciliation. Like it takes one person to forget. Sure. It takes two to reconcile. Sure. And as long as the other party is still inflicting hurt on others, it's not that we want to see revenge, but we want to see justice. I think justice is different than revenge, right? I think there's something human in us that likes both or wants both. Yeah. But. Justice is healthier, yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's healthier, but but again, it just speaks to that level of consciousness and, and that like you know we want to see this avenged and right. and it's like well, gosh, if if that's the case, then then Rick is becoming like Negan, and right. that's what we want to see. Yeah. And is that good? I've <laughs> I've been here's a, here's another thing, John. I've been a a a witness to so to speak to behind-the-scenes situations. Seth and I were talking about this. Both Seth and I, because of the, some of the work that we do publicly, have been witness to some behind-the-scenes situations where you have a mega church, uh-huh. where a leader is doing things that the rest of the congregation does not know about. Uh-huh. And if they did know, that whole thing would probably collapse like a, like a Jenga puzzle. Right. right. And the fact that guys like Seth and I know this, right? you know, you're... You, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a certain like I'm gonna let I'm gonna let these people work it out. Like we could just go, stand on a loudspeaker, put up a blog, and go here's what's going yeah. on. Yeah, like that would feel obliterated. That would feel like revenge. But how many people would come to folks like us in the future and go, hey, we have this problem? What would you say to help? How would it feel like revenge? Like wanting to see like a megachurch structure come down, or yeah, or see that yeah, not that not that to see the megachurch structure come down, but to see like if a guy's cheating on his wife, oh, oh, and yeah. his kids. I mean, his his wife. He's scamming his. He's not just scamming his wife. He's scamming the whole congregation. Yeah. Every time you go up there and talk, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. Plus it's it's just... beyond hypocrisy. It's. It's living a, a false narrative. I don't know. And that's a tension. Be- that's a tough one because you want to shed light on that situation, yeah. but you don't want to see people get hurt. Maybe unnecessarily. I don't know. That's yeah. hard. Yeah, it is. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. But I, and I've been I've been harsh maybe with some of my words. I've never you know said hey I'm gonna expose you, but I have said things like. You know, I have said things like, if you don't tell your wife, I'm going to tell her. Yeah. I've said that once. Um, I I think that's appropriate in yeah, places. Yeah. So, but again, you know, we get into those spaces where, you know, just, it's hard to be honest. Yeah. And that's maybe the part of this conversation that we're talking about, the shadow life that's one of the notes I took about this this episode that we could talk about. Maybe is the is the is this is sin in the shadow life is the Walking Dead mm. is staying in that shadow life. That's that's kind of a Walking Dead sort of zombie metaphor. As long as you're staying in the shadow life, it, it's just a. There, I think there's a psalm about that too. There's no prosperity in someone who's. Um, 
in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like staying in the shadows. Mm-hmm. There's there's a there's a zombie metaphor in there somewhere. Does <laughs> that make sense? Well, I I think um, I was looking at it in terms of mental health meditation. If if you shed consciousness, consciousness is a light. You shed the light of consciousness on an area that's hidden or darkened. Yeah, it loses its power over yeah. you because because darkness can't survive in the light. Yeah. And so shedding the light of consciousness on whatever that is, whatever that's hidden, all of a sudden it loses its power because lights shine on it. Yeah. We love the darkness, unfortunately. But yeah. but but as the light shines on it, it loses its power. Yeah, it it's, feels... It's simplistic, but, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. Right. And maybe that's part of this whole metaphor of the, the tribe that's walking amongst the zombies, is it feels like... If, if I told this, and I, and I struggle with this sure. for years, if people knew how dirty and bad I really was, everyone would reject me. Mm. You know, that's a that's a narrative I told myself, and it was kind of programmed in me from an early age. But it's something that I believed down deep. If some, if some people really knew, you know, that I did these things. Everyone, would, I would be divorced. My family, my kids would never talk to me again. Mm-hmm. And now I do a podcast about it. Right? That's, so, hey, that's shining light on it. Right. <laughs> that's shining light right. on it. Which I don't always put on my main Facebook page. It's like one of those weird things that, you know, it keeps my ego in check, though, right? Sure. Like I'm internet famous for something I. <laughs> I should feel shame for. Well, I mean, like this is the podcast everyone listens to that no one, no one wants, wants to listen to. They listen to. Exactly. This is this is that podcast. <laughs> but and I, and I struggle with that. But at the same time, I know it's helped people, and and I've seen the fruit, and I've got emails that have brought me to tears, and and uh, and I, I just want to continue that. And I want to, you know, I wanted this show to encourage people. Um. Well, and, and then there's also, you know. Where it says in in scripture that you know no temptation has seized you except that which is common to men. Yeah. You know, so you could beat yourself up and say, "Oh, I've dealt with this. I've dealt with that." And granted, people have different struggles or different issues. But at the end of the day, we're all people. Yeah. You know, we're all human. Yeah. We all struggle. We're all having our issues, and no one gets out of here unscathed, yeah. unfortunately. That's so, right. And I think the hardest person to forgive is yourself. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Self forgiveness and getting into loving ourselves and and uh, getting into even the uh, the paranormal, the supernatural. Oh, okay. Part of God, the spirit. Oh, okay. So I wanted to, to bring that up before we close here, and maybe land the plane on some of this because if you think about the ego mm-hmm. as sin, mm-hmm. right? Um, there could be good th- elements to the ego too, but but go there, on. There is, but right, go on. Yeah, right. There, there's, there's, there's a full there's self. Spirit. There's a full self that is bore out the ego. That's not good. Right. But right. But, 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 but go on. Right. Okay. But the spirit speaks to that. The spirit can change that. Can move that. Can transform. Yeah. We talk about transformational faith. Is, okay. is breaking out of that zombie thing. Okay. It's not always confessing to someone right away. It's not always confessing to the world right away. I, I tell people on this, this show, you know, send me an email. If you've never talked about this with anyone, send me an email. Russ at ASI247.org. <laughs> and, and just break that, that thing out of the dark. It's just one little baby step out yeah. of the light. Yeah. Right? 
So that's a, that's breaking that ego thing because that's an ego construct that says I can't share this with anybody. You know, I was having a conversation with a guy I met online who's uh, lives up north, and we're talking about some of our struggles, right? Uh, in in our in our faith, uh, in our church life, and it's just so interesting. Like in some ways, you feel like safer talking to someone you don't know. <laughs> There's that element to it too. Yeah. It's like, like I'm, I'm, you know, being pretty honest and open and maybe there's not a lot of people that can relate or I can just like talk to someone I know, but there's some kind of safety in that distance. <laughs> it's really strange the world we live in where that's an element to it, you yeah. know, where, or like, Hey, come, you can talk to me, uh, Russ at ASI 247, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it, 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 there's something safe about it. And yeah. then, and then the weird dynamic too, it, it happens with social media. I have Facebook friends, but I mean, I'm probably like really only friends with maybe, you know, 20 of them, 10 of them, 15 of them, right. whatever. But it, it's, it's probably in the, you know, less than two dozen. Yeah. And but yet people feel like they know you. They feel like they're connected to you somehow. They feel like you know they know your wife or your kids. And I would imagine having a podcast. I've even heard this from some podcasts I, I enjoy or I listen to, or people with blogs or some sort of platform. They feel like they know you yeah. because you put yourself out there. Right. They really don't, but they feel like they do. Right. And in some ways, they do. They know a part of you. But yeah. that's just such an interesting kind of dichotomy we have today. Just. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but but there, just to say, there's some safety yeah. in that distance, yeah. and if, if and that's to have that as an open door today, where maybe you know that wasn't 20 years ago through the power of the media. Exactly. People dog. There, there are a lot of problems with the internet, the media, whatever. But that's one good element to it is just you can connect with people and that have a open shared, that door. Yeah. Yeah, that door is open a little bit versus like gosh I don't have anyone to talk to and that yeah. probably would have been the case like I felt like that I'm a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say that too like I feel like I'm the only person that struggles with this mm -hmm. right and you learn that I heard one guy say that about about groups you know it's like walking it's like feeling like feeling your whole life like you're a three-legged dog and you walk into a room full of three-legged dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's one thing that like, elemented podcasting. You guys this too? Kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, exactly. It's the me too thing. There's me a too. lot of power to, to me too. Which is another thing that you and I were talking about with uh, some of our landing where we're landing spiritually in, in looking at the cross. Mm. Like the cross is a huge kind of punk rock God going me too. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a transaction. It's not a, oh, you know, God is distant and He threw out a bone for you. You know, he, Jesus, He sent. I love what Nadia. Oh, what was her quote? It was so. It was, it was like, beautiful. Like, it was like, like uh, God is not a cigar chomping loan shark, wanting his pound of flesh. Right? Yeah. Well, she had something else like like you know, Jesus on the cross is God feeling just as shitty as the rest of us or something like that is uh, wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny but it's it's it's, it's true it, me it, to it's identifying with that yeah. absolutely but i was gonna i was gonna land with this i uh if i can find it i'm looking through my, my phone which is my look at you nowadays. Um, everyone's man yeah
we did the podcast, you and me and Derek. That was did fun. The podcast. Uh, we were talking about the ego as the flesh. Uh-huh. Right? So the flesh and the ego. This is a theme in the Bible over and over again. It's also a theme in recovery, where your your body is doing things that your your spirit doesn't want. That's why everyone goes into recovery, right? You get to the point where there's there's some there's a higher power, something bigger than you, that needs to save you from yourself. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not going to save yourself from yourself, right? I so I'm not. This is different levels of consciousness too. There is, but so I haven't interacted in that world much. It just right. hasn't been my world, the recovery world. I mean, I've had friends who've had struggles. I've I've, I've walked beside people but with you it. You have to see it in what you do. Like one of the reasons oh, I dig you, what you do, because is John here? You you do tell tell the well, listeners I think I, what you do. So You've said that before. Maybe about I don't know. Catching people up. Uh, so I work as a vocational rehab counselor so I'll try to help industrially injured workers who've sustained an injury get back to productive life that's an element of what I do that's a big element of what I do Uh, the problem is you know there's when you're getting money for not getting money for not working there's sometimes difficult yeah exactly but what I was going to say though with that and and Paul does use that language St. Paul does use that language of the spirit and the flesh and that tension there but I think there need to be. There needs to be some. I don't know how it is in the, in the recovery world, but that idea that higher power, the flesh isn't a bad thing. It, it right. can't be like That's a true. gnostic thing where yeah. the body is 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 a. I'm a prisoner in my body, and I just right. want to escape my body. Yeah. And the body's bad. The physicality's bad. No, your 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 physicality's good. We have an incarnational faith. We believe that God became flesh so that's yeah. good but but yet there needs to be a level of um of, of mastery over it i, I guess or, or it yeah. needs to be in submission or yeah i don't know about submission uh, maybe I would that's say, not the best word i would but. say being understanding that your your partnership with your body and that's something that i've moved away from so years ago i used to use some of that language like our body's just our earth suit you know don't <laughs> yeah, worry that, about your body too that's much. gnosticism no, bro. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, no your body is is part of your spirit even the bible uses that language like we're going to be resurrected in this body right it's not going to be some you're not going to be some ghost floating around right your our bodies are important and you're yeah right. this life's important the right. physical world's important so yeah. so we, we when we bring this this ego right uh-huh. to the conversation uh-huh. this is something that Freud came up uh-huh. with and he was bouncing off uh, some old philosophy really from Plato mm-hmm. which was the, the chariot metaphor okay we brought that up in that podcast but if you think of the the body as the id so the id is the part of our ego and, and Freud put it in, in in pretty negative terms right like that's our that's our lizard brain right right that's our our reptilian, uh, reptilian <laughs> yeah, it's your monkey brain it's your nut I use the monkey brain thing sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. You're not thinking when you're using that part of yourself. But what, what if, so in the chariot metaphor, the self is actually the the, the man in the in the chariot, and, and the id is the horses. Uh-huh. And we're kind of like that with our bodies, right? Okay, okay. Like we're trying gotcha. to. That's why a bunch of people are on treadmills, for example. We, we don't really need physical exercise to make a living anymore. Right. But now we need <laughs> physical exercise to, to stay, stay alive. To stay in shape. Because our hearts will break down and our bodies <laughs> will break down if we don't keep our heart rates up, if we don't do some of the things that our ancestors did um, in order to just tran- like I can get in my car and drive a hundred, I drive hundreds of miles a day. Like that's technologically something that we, anyway, so yeah, you yeah. get that. So that's, that's the, 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 the body we're having to not just train our body, but realize that 
our spirit and our body are are very yeah. intimate. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, and then going into that, so going into the the flesh argument, like, does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Okay. So it's not that the it is bad. Or no, the gotcha. Ego is bad, but it's it's who we are. In, yeah. in, in this side of these three these three constructs. So we, we got our terms down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> in that podcast, if you guys want to go look back at it, I, I forgot what I named it, but you can look back. It's just it was a few months ago. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It's we, just like it's like normal. Like we just hang out. We just decide exactly. to record it. Yeah, exactly. We have conversations and then record. No, record it. So, but but I think this is important because it's stuff that I didn't like. If I if I could have hung out with with us when I was struggling with this stuff early on, they would have blown my mind. Really? First of all, that's cool. But it would it, it would have helped me a lot in my maturity as a person and and spiritually as well. Mm-hmm. Because I I think I just beat myself up so much trying to do everything alone. Oh, right? like that would work, right? You know, and, and that's you can't another, go again. Alone. That's that's ego. Yeah, you can't right? go at it alone. So my super ego was this angry Negan-like God, who had you know, who I, I felt I was a piece of crap and I deserved whatever punishment I was supposed to get, you know, in, in hell terms. And so if I didn't, and, and I couldn't be good enough for that God. Like, gotcha. I, I, my body was proving to me that I couldn't be good enough. For that God that I constructed gotcha. for myself, gotcha, or that was constructed for me by, and then you know, a lot of that's ego. Sure, like our spirit doesn't do that; our brains do it. Again, uh-huh. my friend Seth would ask, "How does it feel?" No, it's, that's <laughs> like, a, don't tell me what you think. How does it feel? That's does a that great feel, question. You know, his book feels like redemption because you should feel it. Yeah, not think it. It's it's a felt experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good question. Yeah. So we get into the supernatural with that, but I wanted to, I wanted to read this and and kind of close the show on this. This is from. Oh no, I just lost it. That's great. This is you even from, got free uh, Wi-Fi in here. This is from. That's right. This is from Galatians, uh, seventeen through twenty-one. A person's. And I'm, I'll replace the word selfish in this. This is from the Common English Bible translation. There's many English translations of the Bible. This wasn't written in English, was it, John? Uh, no. <laughs> so, so people are coming up with their own interpretations, but think about this interpretation. A person's uh, egotistical desires are set against the spirit, and the spirit is set against one's egotistical desires. Mm. Or you could use the words, if you think about the chariot metaphor, um, the this, this selfish Desires, the desires for for me to drive my own life, hmm. right, are set against the desires of my body. <laughs> you can almost take that word. They should do it. It's not really what you do, want. They should do those, those desires translation. Are... That would be. Hey, if anybody's out there who does translations of the Bible, here's one free for you. Do a translation based on ego. <laughs> well, no, because because that would be interesting. You, you said you said something powerful there because it, it right. points to that that truth that that. That those desires aren't really what you want. This word it's selfish really not can what be, you want. Yeah, it's not what you want. It's not really what you want. Yeah. And it's not selfish to um, enhance or feed your spirit. People want freedom and peace in the things that they they pursue to give them those things and slave them ultimately. It seems counterintuitive, yeah. but... It keep you on so, keep keep the thing on the wheel, the hamster on the wheel, the thought process going. If I can keep keep your, your brain um, coming back to my trough, yeah, right. 
then your spirit, and then and then there's almost this tendency to make the spirit to demonize the spirit as selfish. But again, going back to, to we go. Oh yeah, go back to Saint right, Paul. Right, I'm so, sorry. No, no, but I <laughs> no, like, no, I like no, where you're no, going. I'm, I'm glad no, you brought that up. That's like, great. <laughs> I don't have anything um, to say. They are opposed to each other, right? The ego and, and the spirit are opposed to each other. So you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. <clears throat> but if you are being led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious, right? And it goes into sexual morality, corruption. There's a whole list of things in different translations that the ego, right, yeah. tends to want to do. Yeah. That's separated from the spirit. Yeah. So now if you if you think about Freud, so Freud was an atheist, right, who would say that we're all everything we do is based on ego. Like there's no spirit involved there. Mm-hmm. Like we're just you're just a e- highly evolved primate who is Right, it was mm-hmm. just is on this chariot. You're listening to the superego. The superego is driving your self, and yourself is is controlling your body. Yeah, right. Based on its needs. Mm-hmm. But where we get into spirit with that, and here's something that I would bring up to some of the skeptics, and maybe you're in a deconstruct or you're, you're leaning towards more of an atheist worldview. Uh, I would I would say that. What we think about today as being natural would be considered supernatural even 20 years ago. Mm. I, I saw this news program where they were talking about the heroin epidemic here in Seattle, across the nation, really. But we got people living in tents on the streets of Seattle addicted to heroin. One of them, John and I both know, sadly, um, who, who devolved into to that state and like what do you do about something like that and this n- woman on this news program talked about funding and she was saying we don't need to keep giving these people more money, money to survive again feeding the survival part of the ego the right. survival mechanisms are, are a big part of our ego to keep right. us surviving she said what they need is mental health and here's something that another thing that would be considered religion back in the day she said um, cognitive behavioral therapy based on meditation. Oh, yeah. Stillness. We need to teach people this stuff. We need to teach addicts this stuff. This is freeing addicts. There's there's, there's evidence of it, right? Absolutely. Well, part of it, though, and we, you know, we touched on it earlier, is one element of, of meditation, or your friend Seth asking, how does it feel? Part of meditation is actually feeling yeah. that pain. That yeah. you're trying to medicate, and that's yeah. I think what people are avoidant about because it's difficult to yeah. sit with it, to yeah. sit with the pain, to sit with having a level of comfort with your discomfort. That's yeah. very difficult. There's another past guest I had on the show, Mark Azule, who is a uh, a psychotherapist in in Colorado. He was talking about. He says, next time you're tempted, don't. Don't go run and play basketball or try and, you know, bounce your eyes or whatever. <laughs> he says, he says, you know what? Just sit in it. Just feel it. Just feel it. Yeah. He goes, oh, I can't do that. Like people have said, oh, I can't do that. I'll make me go crazy. I'll feel like I'm going crazy. He goes, exactly. Exactly. But you're, you'll be able to bring yourself to the stillness just under it. Mm-hmm. You know? That's, that's something that I've been realizing as an ADHD guy with meditation is that I really can get to a point where I'm still enough that I can be in the presence of God and even watch my thoughts just outside that other layer of consciousness, almost like traffic. Become the watcher of your thoughts. And yeah. Don't identify with them or latch on to them, but just observe them. Yeah. yeah. They don't have to drag me into feeling like crap about myself or feeling shameful about myself. And that will change you from the inside out. 
over time. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes time. It does. And it takes sitting in the pain sometimes. <laughs> so. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks again for listening, you guys. So wait, before before you before conclude, we close. I want to ask. So are, yes, you, yeah. are you done with The Walking Dead? I don't know. <laughs> You're not sure? I don't know, man. You had this righteous indignation. I but, did. But I you... did. I really did. I had righteous indignation. <laughs> and now I'm like... You know, maybe it'll go. Where is it going to go from here? But I don't know. See, it's it's almost like oh, here's another metaphor for porn. It's almost like porn. Okay, so one of the things that that I've realized, and that, that's the reason why I've endorsed my friend Seth Taylor and and the work that he's done, is I said that uh, the, his approach is not a you know stop doing that. It's yeah. not a cold turkey. It's not a just knock that off. Don't it's, touch it's, your wiener. It's it's, stop it's, it. it's it's you know what get to the point where you don't want to when you don't want to the problem will take care of itself if I can go if I can look at if I can maybe it's Sunday night or whatever we're looking through things to watch and I just come to the place where I'm like yeah I just don't want to watch this you're yeah right I don't it's, it's kind of it's that construct right like I don't know how I'm gonna feel next week when the new show comes out will I will I be fed by what other people are saying about it or you know will I will I care and want to watch it? gotcha I would say that to listeners who are struggling with pornography addiction. Where, where will you be next week? Will, will you want to feed the monster again? I mean, there is something to behavior modification and pushing through 90 days. There's something cognitively about breaking the 90-day habit. But can you get to the point where you just go, this is this is just other people having sex. I'm just watching videos of other people having sex. It's just not, like, what, the, what is yeah. that? Like, why do I do that? You get right? to a place where it loses its and power just like, yeah, or something. I don't want to see that anymore. Yeah, I saw enough. It's, yeah, it's like it just doesn't. It's not doing it for me anymore. Part of that was part of that was dark for me and scary for me too because I, 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 I that was a good medicator for me in the past, and now I'm like it's not so much anymore. So, so yeah, maybe that's a good a good parable <laughs> as well to close the show out with. Thanks you guys for listening. Um, Till next time. Thanks again, John. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. Always fun. Yeah. Later. Bye. Bye.